Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the Buster Show. On today's episode, we're all very lucky because we're joined by one of my good friends and a legend, someone who is uh, joining us on a very joyous occasion. A, because it's May the 4th and everybody's happy on that day, but also because the company that uh, you, Darren, works for uh, and with just sold. Congratulations, sir, and welcome to the show. Thanks. Uh, you know, I think for some people, when a company that they go to and they have equity in sells, it's validation. Uh, that's not, it's not validation for me, um, even though I left ESPN and uh, with eight months left on my contract to go to the Action Network, um, I never doubted where it was going. So it's funny when I have friends who have companies, you know, that sell, they're like, you know, finally people you know, this, this is, this is a validation that uh, I made the right move. It's not that um, it's, it's a, it's a pretty proud moment. The company that I work for the action network uh, sports gambling media company sold to better collective, which is uh, a, a Denmark based um, data company, sports betting data company. So not only did we sell, we sold to the right, the right uh, buyer, I believe. So it's uh, it is, it's a good day. Well, that's awesome. And I feel like at your stage too, you know, you're too experienced and, you know, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but after a certain point, once you've done enough and you already have enough validation, validation does nothing for that's you. Correct. Like money after a certain point. It's like when you tweet something out and people don't like it or say it's not right, you don't care. You believe what you, are, you know, are writing or thinking and you are not defined by what other people think. Um, so yeah, you're right. Uh, at some point, it's you, you, you don't need that. I feel like an update on like ancient philosophy uh, of you know, how you don't judge yourself by what other people think of you is you know, an updated version of that would be you don't judge yourself based on the, how the algorithm uh, decides to approve and not approve what you post. <laughs> it, it, it it is true it is true i was um i was on another podcast and i you know i i basically said you know you you just you cannot um you cannot live your life based on what people think and you know as a father of three kids uh and my daughter saying oh my god look at your likes and look at your followers uh it does concern me um yeah. to that 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 kids grow up uh, to be judged uh, based on how people think, how their friends think, whether it's liked, whether they get enough likes, whether the comments are there. Like, I don't know if I was built this way. I certainly give credit to my parents. But when my, my wife is so confused about my childhood, <laughs> she's like, wait, you went to a sports sleepaway camp with intense sports and you basically sucked at sports but you didn't realize it because you were so into the sports and into the field and into the, all the things that make sport. Who are you? Right. So I feel <laughs> like I grew up to be in the position I am to say things and not care what you think of them, you know, but, but yeah. I do worry about my kid. I know that's a tangent, but I do worry about my kids in the, in the day and age of social media. No, that that's so funny though. <laughs> yeah. being, being, being built for it. I love that. So how now you obviously decided to leave ESPN. We were talking yesterday. I, I, I said that it must be so much more gratifying to be working with a company 
that you actually have some stake in, you know, whereas something like ESPN owned by Disney, it's a, you know, billion monolith. It's a monster and it's existed forever. Um, and by so, the way, that's part of, that's part of the problem. Like I, you know, I, um, I don't, I think I'm thankful for ESPN. I had two stints with them. Um, but you know, I couldn't believe I'd never been at a startup, right? I worked for six years for ESPN, then six years at CNBC, then another six years at ESPN. And then I came to the action network and I could not believe how much got done when there were only, when the organizational tree was like, all I had was two up above me. And, you know, there's a, there's a book by a guy named Patrick Lencian called death by meeting. <laughs> and I, I really believe that meetings kill people and organizations you meet to meet and you meet to prove who could talk the best. And then there's no guarantee of any doing. And the meetings we had at ESPN, the meetings, the emails that circled around and circled and, it would take six months even to start to get anything done. I come to the Action yeah. Network and I say the first two days I fly, hey, fly out to San Francisco. <laughs> That's where our product team is. Go to San Francisco. I think we should have something where you could monitor your live wallet. Your, as you're betting, you could monitor what your wallet looks like. Six days later, we have a prototype. And a month later, it's in the app. Like coming from before ESPN, the speed, it's like the Flintstones compared to that. So yes, the not only having a stake, but going from a bureaucracy that, that, and all big organizations are like this. This is why, this is why startups and entrepreneurships are so exciting because they do have advantages against the big money and the big amount of people. Totally. And it's so much more fun too. And for, you know, days like, like these, you know, you're, you're incentivized on the overall company's success in a way that Disney can't give it to you, no matter who you are. I would also say, yes. So I was responsible now that I had equity, now that I had a bigger job, I was more responsible for knowing at all times what the greater company mission was, what the financials were. We did a pivot, for example, in COVID. Uh, and as more states got uh, legalized, um, our revenue stream changed, which, which I needed to acknowledge that and realize how I need to push, you know, and how the whole funnel is working and changing. And, you know, so I never cared as much about the organization besides where I fit um, when I was at ESPN and CNBC. And when I'm at, when the Action Network, where I'm at on the hierarchy and where I'm at, you know, from an equity standpoint, I always had to, you know, figure out where our money was coming from and how I could use my power to you know do the best totally and you bring up a great point too that meetings for the sake of meetings phone calls for the sake of phone calls even emails just to prove that you emailed somebody is the craziest concept that everybody has approved of and I would say that, uh, you know, then there are all these disguises. They're like, it's not email, it's Slack. No, 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 no. Slack is a second email, okay? So so don't relabel something and tell me, right? Like, so, hey, you got to get on Slack. I'm like, ah, man, 
Oh, you know what? Amazing. This I one of the first times I realized I was an old man is when someone said to me, uh, "You got to get superhuman. It helps your <laughs> your email. It helps the efficiency of your emails." And yeah. then I realized I like couldn't read my emails anymore because of the way that it was sorted and the way <laughs> that like it actually efficiency actually was less efficient, you know. So yeah, I mean organizations, you know, like if everyone was if 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 every executive had faith in everyone they hired and they were able to do exactly what they were tasked to do, organizations would be better, you know. Thank God. Um, so. I didn't make that much. I think on the outside, people are like, wow, this is a big leap. He's going from ESPN to the Action Network. Sports gambling was already legalized for five months. Chad Millman, the guy who brought me over, who was the head of content, who was the editor-in-chief of ESPN, left ESPN a year before it was legalized. I would have never made the, the leap to the Action Network before, before sports betting was legalized. 2017, if you go back, it was not a slam dunk that sports betting was going to get legalized, that the Supreme Court would overturn the Professional Amateur Sports Protection Act of 1992. That there was, I would, I would say it was about a 25% chance. Yet Chad wow. left ESPN to, to go to the Action Network. I didn't take as much of a risk. I had already seen five months of New Jersey figuring, oh my God, if New Jersey did 100 million in or it was 650 in the first five months or something. God, I can imagine how crazy this is going to be. So, um, so yeah, thank God the people around me were bigger pioneers and, and, you know, promised everything. It's man, it's, it's, it's hard to be in an organization. It's, it's hard. And a lot of it, what I've learned uh, more than ever from this, as well as my entrepreneurial efforts and my investments is that people, people, make up 95% of whether you're going to make it or not. The product has to be good. But if you have a great people manager, a great visionary, um, then you have a much better chance. And I think people it's crazy because I think people downgrade that. Like, oh my God, this product is so good. You know, but it's like, well, how come the, these, there's a reason why there's serial entrepreneurs. There's a reason why Mike Rapoli uh, takes vitamin water to $4.1 billion, sells it to Coke, and then starts from zero again, and now has body <laughs> armor up to $4 billion. I didn't know that that's, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, same guy, same guy. I only knew about his body armor, obviously. Oh, he, oh, he did that. He's done that before. By the way, by the way, not only is he a, a, a visionary and a people person, he brings the same people to every company he goes into. So he goes, then he shifts to Pirate's Booty. And then all those same people come in. And then all those same people, he's known these people forever. That's his secret sauce, right? Um, uh, the quality of relationships yeah, there. Yeah, for sure, for sure. That's, that's a pretty remarkable story. Um, and, and it is true, you know, and you and I are both lovers of the great uh, organizational leaders of all time from both, you know, a history standpoint and a memorabilia standpoint, obviously, you know, when you look at guys like Jobs, and Gates, and Bezos, and Musk, how do you even personally sort of interconsciously rank those you know, all-time A-listers, or do you even try? 
see, like Musk is in a place of his own. That doesn't mean he's at the top. Musk is, I think, the first true CEO of the social generation. Um, he understands that when he says something, types something, he understands there's a reaction and many times has calculated the reaction before he puts it out. <laughs> Maybe with the exception of when he talked about Tesla stock and you know got nailed by the SEC. I think sometimes he gets to, but, but that's what's so intriguing about Musk. From a collecting standpoint, by the way, on Musk, I still haven't bought anything um, because I'm he's so wishy-washy that even though he has the money he has, like I could spend $7,000 on a Musk autograph and then like the next day he could announce a signing for 3,000 people just because he wants to just do it. You know, so that's from a collecting standpoint, that's interesting. I know Jobs and Bezos and Gates aren't doing anything like that. So, uh but yeah, and, and Bezos is a complete, you know, I think complete genius in his own way. None of us saw what he was doing, really. Um, and then, it, you know, and he had that vision the whole time. Um, you know, Gates, I think, uh, is probably the greatest businessman pivot of all time. What he has done, like he, he will be known more as a philanthropist uh, as a as a a seeker of like with this with vaccines and stuff, a seeker of best practices and you know using his money to 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 help. Um, so that that's kind of interesting for me. I'm I'm actually interested in how Buffett will be read, right? Because um, he will be seen as like a great investor, but I think every day there seem to be more and more critics. Um, and it's interesting, especially the crypto community, how with Buffett and Munger not being part of that and then dismissing it, whether there, there, there is a legit, I, as you know, I dismiss a lot of crypto commentary, <laughs> but, but, but there is a legit notion that these guys, one, haven't been in on it and don't understand it. So easily dismissing it is the easiest thing for them to do. I think that's true for most people, right? It's a lot yes. easier, uh, you know, to dismiss something that you have no ownership, exactly. relevancy, or involvement in than acknowledge a mistake. Because frankly, if although I will tell you, I will tell you, I will tell you, Buffett's pretty good at mea culpas. He when he 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 is pretty good at saying we messed up, we shouldn't have sold that. Like I've actually been impressed over time, especially when I was at CNBC about him, like falling on the sword when he feels like he made a mistake. That's um, great. But Buffett, do you think this quick, is quick so... note, quick yeah. note, Buffett is the reason why Coca-Cola didn't buy Gatorade and Pepsi did, which is a major mistake. Um, Buffett, obviously a top shareholder on the board, um, you know, thought that in 1990 that, that Gatorade didn't have much, much more future and you know since then sports drinks are worth five six billion dollars more a year in the u.s so missed that one too that's so crazy but do you think that for this crypto is so different than normal stocks and you know u.s based companies that that might be why or it's just i mean i think time? i think i th listen from from an emotional standpoint from a 
from a technical standpoint, it is so different in terms of like the volatility. Right. Right. Every day, every day it has the volatility of a company that is reporting massive information. Yet, yet the information on crypto is infinitesimal. So I think not understanding other than the big ideas of, oh, ETH, you got layering and payment system. That's dual versus Bitcoin, which is payment system. Like, <laughs> but why did it just go up $800? You know, like, it's not like if something goes up 25% on the stock market, okay? It's because there's major material information that has changed. That's not like... People are uncomfortable because that didn't happen with ETH. So listen, uh, I don't know because I'm, I've studied a lot on crypto and I still don't know where I am. Um, you know, I've been, you know, day trading this stuff. Uh, hey, you've but, done well. You've done yeah, well. Done well. I've, I've done well because I think I, I, it's easier to read momentum swings than versus companies. And I think there's not as many outside factors. Um, but man, is it volatile. It is, it is crazy. You, you need to have what they, they say, uh, diamond hands. <laughs> I worry about that. And I, I do, just like I worry about the kids and the cards, I worry about the kids and the crypto. I just, I think it's very addictive. I think in some places people are replacing it with gambling. And um, I just, I just want to say the same thing that I said when, when we talked about cards, which is, if it's too obvious, question it. Totally. That's definitely become very true. Even since we recorded that Talking Shop episode together, the modern basketball card market of non-exclusive, non-super limited stuff has gone plummeted. Down. And I told you that, not like that was a big idea. It seemed obvious. Totally. Now, when, when you're evaluating companies to get involved in invest in, look at, become an advisor for, what are the key things that you're looking at beyond obviously who the leader is, who's the head of the company, right. relationships pulling you in? What are the other things that you're looking so at? So I, 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 I always start with product and I always start with why isn't it obvious, right? So I just told you if something's obvious, then you know, you should be, I always want to be a contrarian and I always want to be ahead. So if I'm investing something, ideally I want to be two to four years ahead on something. So basically, you know, I've chosen to be in food and beverage investing because I believe that I've always loved the supermarket. My wife yells at me, we've been in here for two hours. What are you doing? I'm tasting, I'm looking at packages, I'm looking at new product, always love the supermarket. And, you know, uh, so I feel like I can win because I can look in front of my eyes and I can see in the supermarket kind of what's happening in general. You can't do that in tech. You don't know what someone's doing in their basement. And to me, that makes me uncomfortable and thinks that I, I can't win as much. So, you know, so I'll give you a kind of a deep dive into my process. When I made, when we made my first investment, um, the VCI own is Tastemaker Capital. And it's uh, it's a SPV, so basically it's a special purpose vehicle. Each of our investments are invested in by people, but they can invest in one of the investments. They can invest in three of the investments. It's not a fund. It's very flexible. I did that on purpose. 
um, because I wanted us to be flexible and I wanted our flexibility to be an asset to a company coming in. So the idea when I started this three years ago, I said, all right, we're going to invest um, between $750,000 and $2.5 million in companies that have uh, revenues of three to 12 million, try to own 10 to 15% of them. The first process that I did is, okay, so I, I'm like, what is obvious? Hummus is a $5 billion market. We are uh, eating more and more protein. The person in Kansas now knows what a chickpea is because of hummus. People want to eat snacks that are not straight up carbs. The roasted chickpea market is a $20 million market. 5 billion, 20 million. Put that all together. Let me invest in the biggest roasted chickpea snack company in the country. That's what we did. We invested in Vienna. So like that's like that's kind of the process. Second deal was like amazing uh, because um, we invested in athletic brewing. And uh, this was the most doubting of anything I've put my money in ever. Really? Right? Like non-alcoholic beer. What the hell? Why would you do that? <laughs> and so, but if you study things, what I looked at was, I love that people didn't believe in it. I knew that um, people wanted to drink less. I even knew that people who were within your age range of drinking age, right. you know, 21 to 31 were less interested in drinking than any generation before them. Weekend warriors on their phone, whatever it is. And then I looked at Ireland and Germany and Spain and saw that five to 10% of, uh, of their countries of beer drinking was non-alcoholic. And I realized it's because there's nothing good. We have Odul's, it sucks. So if you could have a good craft non-alcoholic beer, it could be great. And, you know, we invested in the first round of um, athletic and they are rocking and rolling. And um, I think by the time this sells, we could hundred X our investment. Wow. <laughs> That's remarkable. <laughs> Possibly 50 to hundred X. So, but that's all. And I love when people are doubting. And I would say when people are investing, think about what it really takes to win. Like people didn't understand what it takes to win. Like people are like non-alcoholic beer. I'm like, well, right now, 0.2% of America drinks non-alcoholic beer regularly. So that's two people out of a party of a thousand. How many people at that party of a thousand do you think I need to uh, get to exclusively drink non-alcoholic beer? For me to be a winner and the people would throw out a number like i don't know a hundred and i'm like a hundred right now there's two out of a thousand if i move that number to 10 i make a ton of money right so like <laughs> when people are investing and thinking about investing realize what it takes to win um and and try to go against the grain um so yeah, no, I, I love doing investing. As far as advising, it's like, how can I really make a difference? Um, I felt like I've really made a difference in rally. It's been so fun helping them buy things that I can't afford. Um, using my skills, as you know, to try to like uh, find things um, 
that are in the wrong auction house, that are not described well enough, that don't have the authenticity, and we can do the authenticity ourselves. And by then, anything that creates a delta or an arbitrage, that's that that's what I love to do. Um, I, I'm I'm also an advisor for the Players Trunk, which is uh, a bunch of former student uh, athlete managers who decided to sell athletes gear and the revenue that they've brought in is beyond my wildest dreams. Um, these For years, these schools have had equipment sales and it's never been in, in control of the athletes. And, you know, they give them the opportunity to sell their stuff and it's it's been it's been amazing. So yeah, uh, cool. you you do advising too. I mean, you, you know, if you, it's not, it's not just, we, both of us don't have time to just accept deals for money. Um, right. Because, because it's just, it, it, if there's nothing that you're giving back or adding, then it's just not worth your time. Totally. And there's a, speaking of Buffett, I think he's, he said something great. I don't know if it was just in, in their recent annual shareholders meeting, or it was in an interview before, but you know, he said, money can't buy me time you know yes what's the point of money then yes and that that sort of if you're at a point uh and and i'm curious i put this on linkedin a few days ago i'm curious what what your thought on it is i said that uh you know to my experience so far money is everything up until when you don't need money to buy normal things because money to a certain point allows you to buy back your own time because it allows you to only do exactly what you want to do with the people you want to do when you want to do it where you want to do it but once you have all of that and you have some of the material things that you want it the the level of impact drops off so steep it's like a roller coaster ride do you feel do you have similar thoughts on that so, um, you know, I've done more work on myself over the past three years than my entire life. You know, once I hit 40, I really started, a, okay, I need a psychologist, therapist person to talk to. I need a really making my head as good as my physical. Um, you know, I, I think uh, part of uh, what makes me tick is what hurts me, right? Like when I go on vacation, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare because my head is go, you know, like I've trained myself to have like at least this workplace and life ADD, boom, 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 you know, doing this, doing this all over the place, you know, pads of stuff and writing down and strategy and this and that. I wake up and every day is a program madness. So you can't tell me that 20 days a year, I can possibly slow down. I can't. Right. And it's, and, and it, it's like, so then how do I replace that? It is not doable for me to slow down. So I need to slow down. I need to go at the same speed, not doing work. How do I do that? Am I reading a book? Am I doing, you know, so that to me is the greatest challenge right now. How do I give my kids an hour and a half of undevoted time? Um, you know, staying in the moment and doing that. And and those are my greatest challenges. Um, So I become a coach, a baseball coach, because I have to, I can't take out my phone if I'm a baseball coach, which then puts me in the uncomfortable position of people always think they can get me. And then 
I have to get over the agita of knowing that I'm not taking the phone out of my pocket for an hour and a half. So there's this whole challenge um, that, that I feel like I need to do to be uh, a person other than the worker that I am. And that, right. that's, that's the greatest challenge in my life right now. I, I, I think, you know, the thing, one of the things I admire most about you is just that you've been able to do exactly what you've wanted for such a long period of time, which I think is, you know, super every rare. day, is a, every day to me is a joke, right? Every day to me is I, I, I love what I do. I love what I do. I love what right. I report on. I love what I create. I love what I buy. I love what I sell. I, you know, I, it's, uh, now it's been, it's been interesting. Like you have to convince people. Luckily, the money uh, has followed what I've wanted to do, right? Like I want to be a sports business reporter and, you know, that happens. And I think, you know, fans need to know more about the business of sports. I want to report on the business of food, you know, it's ballparks. Well, owners realize that the dirty water dog isn't the, <laughs> the best way to make money anymore. <laughs> that changes, right? And then, and then, you know, I want to report on memorabilia and cards and the money's there, right? So it, it's, it's enabled me to everything that I love. I mean, the money's followed. So, so that's what's been so, so great and so gratifying. And, and why, although I am, someone said to me yesterday, I'm surprised you've lasted this long in this business, considering you've been hardcore social media for a decade, like not many people, you know, were at the beginning of the social media generation, but, you know, you started, you know, fighting with people in 2010. And the truth is I'm tired, you know, I'm tired, but, but the fact that I have fun is what keeps me alive. I've never been burnt out. Well, the difference also is that your content isn't all about you. And that's why it's, you know, there's this. Well, that's true. The ability. new, the new, you're right. You're right. The new the new social media content for influencers is all about you. Right. And that's why it's impossible to last over a long period of time, unless you're doing things like a podcast, right? The only influencers that I can think of who have lasted 10 plus years are people whose either A, content doesn't revolve around them, or B, it's talking to people who aren't them. That's true. I think that's a really, that's a really interesting yeah, no, that that's true. I mean, because you either run out or people run out of you. Exactly. <laughs> or the alternative happens. I was just talking about this on the show with uh, Dan Porter, who's the founder of Overtime. And we came to the conclusion that if your content is around you, then the what you're going for is a dopamine-based reaction. So you're going for oohs and ahs and laughs. Yep. And like, whoa. But if your content is dopamine driven, then your audience, unless it gets more extreme, your audience gets desensitized to that reaction uh, to what content you're putting mm -hmm. out. So mm -hmm. you have to get more and more and more extreme. Mm -hmm. But the byproduct of getting more extreme is the increased likelihood of A, getting burnt out or B, getting canceled because you're getting closer to that line of what's responsible. True irresponsible what's legal what's illegal or hurting somebody physically emotionally that's crazy ways. that's true that's that is why true. i think that it is literally impossible for any model influencer uh youtuber who is just doing stuff around themselves to stand the test of time like a darren Ravel or a joe rogan or a whomever has truthfully 
Yeah, that that that's amazing. I mean, I guess I am the commentator and people are watching me yep. commentate on something else and they are following me for what they know. Like they say, I know what his take's going to be. I know where he's going to go, but it's good that he became the first person to eat a white chocolate whoopie pie, right? So, <laughs> so it's not, you know, uh, Right. I get, I get, I get, I get that. I get that. That, that makes a lot of sense. And, um, and it, it's funny how people on Twitter are always like, you always make it about you. I'm like, no, I make it about my opinion of something else or my take on something else. It's not my take on myself. It's not, I usually 95% of the time, my camera's flipped around looking at something, not at me. Right. And I think, you know, the mixture of that also, you know, you being somebody whom, A, everybody knows, and they know what you look like. You've done, you know, you sent me an interview with you and LeBron like 10 or five years ago, whatever, you know. 13 was, years ago. That was 13 <laughs> years ago? Yeah. Holy cow. I know. That's crazy. But, um, you know, things like that. So it's the combination. That's that. But the one of the last things I wanted to talk about, you mentioned, you know, the difficulty of being able to like put, put phones away and things like that. I always looked at it from the standpoint of like everybody who's who's you know like you or, or like myself or enjoys business is in business should look at themselves as an A-list rapper in the regard of their time. These guys are so exclusive, you know. I've spent time around a few bigger rappers, and the way that these people move around, they interact with their teams, don't talk to anybody outside of their inner circles is incredible. Nobody can contact Travis Scott. Nobody can get to him. It's like that. Yeah, how do you, how do you undo that? That's the problem. How do you, what you do know, you mean undo it? You I don't, mean, you have to set, no, you're saying you have to set up a thing so that it looks like them. You have to set up a structure like them. No, you, you being your, you being the baseball coach is you being an A-list rapper. Oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You have to, you, you, you have to have moments where you can't, you can't be reached. Yeah, um, that's you your A-list rapper moment. I have two nights, two nights, two nights a month where I go to sleep at eight o'clock. And it feels great. I shut off my phone and then in the morning it's complete and utter chaos, you know, cause people, <laughs> people know usually they can get me till one. Like, you know, my brother thought I was dead, you know, one, one of oh these eight o'clock nights, you know, but, so you, but then you risk, I mean, you risk like, oh my God, is something going to happen? Like part of me being me is I'm always available. Right. So you have to get rid of that fear otherwise. And I, and and as the phone becomes more attached to everyone, it's going to get harder and harder. Um, so people think that we're addicted already. Oh no, it's about no, to get a no, whole no, lot no, no. When 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 the kids who have been on iPads throughout the pandemic, like my kids, get their phones when they're ten, like there there's going to have to. I mean, it's literally an appendage on these kids' bodies, and I'm I'm concerned. That's a great uh, la last question I wanted to ask you. What are you most excited about right now? You got tickets. the whole you've... tickets. No tickets. <laughs> tickets. <laughs> you get a ticket. You get a ticket. <laughs> uh, what am I most excited about? Um, you know, obviously I'm excited about 
action network and where it's going and and the sale i think that you know that it took a long time to get there it wasn't the ultimate goal it was just to be great every day um so i'm excited about sports betting and as it gets bigger and bigger continuing to cover it um i'm i am excited about the the sports memorabilia world you know i have a show on twitter sponsored by ebay that i actually love doing you know i i, I love memorabilia now um uh so no it's it's it i think there's so many things i'm what am i most excited about i think every day i'm excited about something else but in the in the memorabilia in the betting space even in the crypto space everyone is so hopped up right now and i just want everyone to make sure the most important piece of advice i could give you is someone said to me yesterday who should i follow if i if i'm just getting into crypto and I think most people say, oh, you're going to follow Pomp and you're going to follow the Winklevoss twins and you're going to follow and they list the, and the guy who went from a major hedge fund to just investing in crypto. And the major mistake in that is that you're not following any critic. You're just following the pumpers. And so I would say, please, if you're investing in memorabilia, make sure you're following a contrarian. If you're investing in crypto, make sure you're following someone who doesn't like it because the pain that that person will exert on your feed every day is worth it versus being in the whole cyclone of love and then being like, how did I not see this? I'm not saying things are gonna fail. But I'll say generally in life, if you surround yourself with yes people, the new version of that is if you only follow yes people or only people in the cult of uh, what your uh, interests are, it's not a good place to be. So no. suck, suck, it, suck it up when you're involved in things. Make sure as we can pick people who we follow, who we don't, make sure you pick the doubters as well. That is an excellent note to end on. Darren, thank you so much uh, for doing this. Instagram, at Darren Ravel. Twitter, at Darren Ravel. Find this man online. You won't regret it. Darren, thank you so much for doing this. Buster, love you, man. Thanks as always. Boom.